This episode of The Ride is brought to you by Troxel Helmets. Troxel would like to introduce the new Terrain Helmet. This new next-level low-profile helmet features 12 extra-large vents and a frontal reinforcement cage for maximum airflow and an added impact resistance. With a patented moisture-wicking cool core headliner treated with innovative fused technology that fights odor-causing bacteria, this helmet is engineered for cool, comfortable rides. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This is Nicole Cherico. I'm here with my co-host, Jillian Sinclair. And today we are talking with Carrie Klingenberg, a reigning professional based out of Scottsdale, Arizona, who has, you know, been part of the industry for a long time, coaches non-pros to championships, shows in the open division to championships. She's standing stud. She's kind of has her hand in, in every part of the reigning industry. So thank you so much, Carrie, for coming on and doing this with us. Thank you so much for having me. So anyway, I guess we'll get started from the beginning because for any of our listeners who might not be familiar with who you are or the reining industry in general, just because we have such a broad audience, can you kind of talk a little bit about your horse life and how you even got involved with horses to begin with? You know, I don't know. I think I was just born a horse crazy little girl. My parents weren't into horses at all. I just, I think I passed one driving with them one day and I had a babysitter that had horses and I just fell in love with it. And she actually got me my first lesson. I was four years old and kind of just never got out of that mode in life. Just always stayed in it. I rode with one gal from when I was four years old until I think I was 10 and she showed Morgan. So I showed some Morgan horses with her, did all the like um, hunt seat equitation, stock seat equitation, all that. And then I had a little half Arabian that I showed and I rode with Jeff and Mel Lee from when I was, I think, I don't know, 10 till 18 as a, as a youth rider and then went to college for a short amount of time and then came back and was their assistant trainer for until 2006. So I, I was like 23 years old, then went off to do the cow horse stuff and well, reigning more than anything, but the lady I worked for was cow horse. And that's just kind of how I, I mean, there was a lot of stuff in between, but that's kind of how I got into the reigning to begin with. How did you, so you, you were taking lessons. Was the barn, did they just happen to have Morgans? Is that kind of how you ended up riding those, those horses? Yeah. They, the lady just, her name was Catherine Cloud and she's a great lady. I still, I know her and she just had a really good youth program. There was, it was a really great, great way to grow up. I think there was like 10 of us and you know, you take those horses in every single class possible. And she was really good at teaching fundamentals of riding and she was, she was really good. And and then I, another lady that did Morgan horses that I kind of would take lessons for her daughters were, she wasn't really like, she wasn't a trainer, but she coached her daughters to like many national championships. And she was really big on equitation. And so she'd helped me and we leased a horse from her. She was great. And then Jeff and Melody Lee, who I was a youth with and did the Arab stuff. I mean, they were very pivotal, pivotal in my life. Like just great, great people. I learned so much about horsemanship and running a business and just, I mean, they're just good humans. So, I mean, it was, I feel really lucky that I was with them for so much of my youth, you know, learning about just, I mean, life in general, but just really good horsemen. So. What was the transition like going from Morgans and Arabians to the stock horse and quarter horses? Was that, you know, kind of 
you know, what was that like just because they are such different animals? Yeah, it's very different. So, so after I went to college and I was the assistant for Jeff and Mel, they, we had a customer that her daughter had ridden with Jeff and Mel as a youth. And then the, Jenny Johnson was her name. She wanted to get into horses and just have some fun. She didn't want an Arabian show horse at the time, but she bought this little cute quarter horse. And since I was kind of like the worst assistant, like last string assistant, because like, I was younger and, you know, I didn't know as much as some of the other people that worked there. I would take Jenny and her little mare Rose to, you know, like the open all around show. I don't even know if they have them anymore. They're like little play day, Saturday, Sunday shows. I would take her there. And one day at this little show, they had a raining class. And so we took her in. I mean, it was horrible. She couldn't change leads. She couldn't do anything. And then I just got really determined to like teach her, teach this little mare these things. And she ended up being like really cool and she could stop and 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 jeff helped me jeff did like with the radians we did also everything you know they do everything and so i he would help me we, we taught her how to change leads and turn and stop and so i took this little mare i think it was like a year or two later after trying to figure all this stuff out and and they pretty much gave me free range just do whatever because you know they have a they have a huge business and just completely arabian so i took this little quarter horse and just was pretty much enamored with it you know i'd seen some of the stuff like at the at the higher level for the arabian shows i'd seen the raining and, and it was good but then going to one of these big quarter horse shows i mean it was amazing the horses are such they were amazing so that was kind of like my first big interest into it and that's when i met sue Soltzi that i worked for in the cow horse and i just really i don't know they're just such a different animal i i'm so grateful though I, that i started with morgans and arabs i think that teaches you a lot of patience and you know just putting a different value on things you know like i think a lot of times it's easy to think a horse is difficult or hot you know, when you're, I mean, these quarter horses, we're spoiled. Like there's so many horses, so many great horses. Like we just bred incredible minded animals. And I I like the ones that if, you know, they might be a little bit different. And, and I know that like my upbringing helped me with that, you know, definitely just, just seeing a different way, you know, it's just, it's, it's helped me. I totally get where you're coming from, especially with like the breeding, you know, we've bred these to be such great minded animals. And, and I'm sure this is across the board, regardless of discipline or breed, you know, we've been breeding these horses to be more, you know, even specialized in what they're doing and in their abilities. And it's, it's so funny because I met like a boarding barn and there's lots of rescue horses there because they also kind of do a rescue on the side. And, and I had a two year old that I was breaking out or starting and and everybody was just infatuated with what I was doing and and I'm like this is this is easy she she was bred to do this like I threw a saddle on her after four days of working with her like that's easy like being able to handle these untouched horses that you know may have been thrown away or, or whatever have different breeding that that hasn't been bred into them I'm like that's that's the hard stuff like if you can do that you can break out the easy ones <laughs> oh for sure I know it's like some of these horses too I mean they just, it's like the talent, everything, the want to do, it just oozes out of them. I mean, it's a pretty, 
we're very lucky like with what the animals that we have you know it's i mean years and years of people really studying what they are what's going to cross well i mean it's it's pretty great we've I don't think people 30 years ago would have imagined the horses would be doing what they're doing and the minds of these horses have. I, I think that is something to be very proud of in our industry. I totally agree to that. You you mentioned that you did everything when you were showing the Arabians and, and the half Arabians. And did you find that having that kind of classical background helped you transition into events like the cow horse and the reining where, I mean, you know, you're not so worried about how you sit, but I would imagine it makes that transition just a little bit easier when you have a good seat and good balance and your hands are quiet and your legs are still. And no, it for sure did. And I, I really loved when I, in the youth, I loved equitation and horsemanship. I loved all that stuff and just having, you know, having that structure and just the classic, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's, there's, it's a beautiful thing, like a really good equitation rider. And I've definitely tried to carry that on into the reining for myself when I show. I mean, I try to, you know, it's a lot different and it, it was hard to break some of the stuff, how, you know, stiff you would say, even like when I show professionally on the, with the Arabs and I showed the hunter horses, I mean, you know, you, you feel the horse still, but you're stiff, you keep yourself in more of a box, you know, for sure. And so like letting go of that was a little bit difficult for me at first. But I've definitely tried to keep some of the of that, like the just try to keep myself. I don't I don't want to get like super sloppy. And that is something with my youth kids and my non pros. I am pretty fanatical about like learning how to ride. I mean, something I appreciated from people that I started with just having, you know, I mean, some people, when you say heels down and they've been riding rainers or whatever for so long, they're like, what? You know, they don't, it's not something that they have had preached to them. And I mean, for me, it's it's very important. And I mean, because there is a reason for it, like all those classic styles. I mean, there's a reason why that's been such a big thing fundamentally for riders and, you know, where you sit, where your horse balances, where, where you feel, you know, there's just, there's a lot to it. So, I mean, I definitely try to teach that. And I mean, I still make my kids no stirrups, no hands close their eyes i mean i i torture them a bit and i mean but it's good i mean that's going to make them good riders down the down the road well and i know like just from watching you know sitting in the arena and watching people show the ones that are really soft and pretty and quiet and their, their hands aren't moving around their legs aren't flailing around like it's just it's so much easier to watch that horse perform at its best and you know i come from the all-around originally as well so like i do, i also have that appreciation for just like put togetherness you know everything yeah. everything looks nice your horse looks good when you go in the show pen you look good when you go in the show pen and, and then just yeah like you said building up your muscles and and doing all these things because you're absolutely right you know you come from a sport where it didn't matter how you sit and how you present yourself whereas you know some of the other sports it's all about the horse essentially but having that like you know pretty rider on top is just kind of the icing on the cake and with it being so competitive these days you almost need that yeah for sure I mean everybody has a different style like I do in my fast circles, like I like to stand up and like almost on, on like a really good circle horse. I like to have my hand like between their ears or like, I mean, and it's kind of dramatic, but I just, I like it. And I mean, I think for me, it shows how willing they are to stay there between and like, you know, circle like they're on rails. Some people don't like it and, and that's okay. But like I, and that's probably 
I I can't sit back on very many horses. I just feel like I'm all over the place. And that, that comes from riding a lot of hunters, you know, like you don't, I want to be, that's just where I feel comfortable going fast, you know? So yeah, but I mean, that's just, you know, that's another style thing. And I wouldn't say that's necessarily like a classic thing, but you know, when I'm riding down to a stop, I'm definitely not sitting forward like that, but I don't know. I like everything to look just smooth and cool and your horse is doing big stuff, you know, under you. I think that's what I go for. I like it. You you mentioned a couple of times that you went and transitioned over to the cow horse after kind of doing some of the the Arabian stuff professionally. What was that transition like? Did 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 you had you ever had any experience working the cows or, or doing any kind of cow horse events or no? Yeah, <laughs> no. Like it was it was so embarrassing. I remember I went there and I met them. They were great people, Sue Salty, Tom Pasma, and I went to their place, got the job and everything, and because they had seen me show. And, you know, I rode the Rainers and it was like that part, you know, like you show up and it, my horses did everything and my horse did everything. And then, so I worked there a few days and then it was probably the third day I was there. They were like, okay, now just bring out whatever horse and you're going to box. And I was like, I'm going to, what? <laughs> like, I, I had no idea. Like, and I had, I had honest to God, I'd watched cutting before, but I'd never watched any type of cow horse, nothing. Like I was, it, it was like an embarrassing, foolish, like it was, it was, it was not good. But I mean, I, I really loved it. Like, and I, you know, I ra- was raised on a farm. And so, I mean, we had sheep and cattle. So, I mean, I knew about how to move an animal's body and where you, you know, where you need to be. So, I mean, that part came naturally to me, but I had really never paid any attention to it. All I really wanted to do was the reining. And, and you know, she did reining, but her biggest thing was cow horse. So, I definitely, there. We, I remember we worked cattle on Tuesdays and Thursdays and sometimes whatever day. I don't know. I mean, it changed, but I remember I'd wake up sometimes like, oh, my God, another day like this. Like, I'm not going to, this is going to be bad. I'm, you know, because you just, it's hard to put yourself out there and you don't know what you're doing but but yeah the transition i will say working for jeff lee like he's he was very good at training me things training his horses and teaching me just body control and how to have a horse collected so really going into everything i've i've tried since then he it's i've been able to find my way pretty easily for that you know like for the training like the reining maneuvers so like the dry work for the cow stuff was easy I didn't necessarily know how to make one train one to really turn or or stop. I didn't under understand that stuff completely, but you know, all the other stuff was easy for me to do. And then I've kind of just always faked it till I made it. You know, I just kind of threw myself out there, got pretty uncomfortable, and you figure it out. You know, I think those are the uncomfortable spots are, are where you really become a better rider. Because yeah, you're right. If you just stay in your happy place in your comfort zone forever, you're never going to get out of the box. And yeah. I get it. I was riding cow horses a couple of years ago before I got my rainer and it's those cows are very humbling. It's a very oh. humbling experience. You think you know what you're doing and then you put a cow out there and they'll let you do not know what you're doing. Yeah, it's it, it, I mean, it's so much fun when it's right and it's fun when it's not, but it's. It's a lot. I mean, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's intense too, because I mean, you can get hurt. You can put yourself in a bad position. I mean, there's a lot, a lot to it, but yeah, I was definitely not prepared for that job and 
Yeah, not prepared there, but it, it was good. It was a good learning experience. I can't imagine just I come from the all around and that's really all I've ever done. But being like bringing in another animal into your, you know, into the ride and into your class and everything to me, that's kind of crazy. Like having to predict what the other animal is going to do, because you're already worrying about like what your horse is going to do and what you're doing. But so was that part of the reason that you moved your business down to Arizona or, you know, what was it the raining that brought you there? Or how did you kind of end up making that move? Because that's a big transition from the you know Pacific Northwest to yeah, I think it is another thing that kind of just falls into like feeling uncomfortable, you know, like, I don't know, I've kind of as weird as it might sound. I mean, I've kind of gotten like, I like the feeling of being uncomfortable just because like pushing yourself outside of like what you think is possible. And it's so easy to think that things are not possible. Like, and so the minute I ever feel that I always try to push myself into into more into that position, you know, like where you're going to feel outside the line of what you think you're capable of doing and just try a little bit harder to, to get there. So after I did the cow horse, I started my own business. And so that was 2008. It was June, 2008. And like, I was so, you know, I didn't know a lot. I was 24 and um, like, that's right when the recession hit and I just thought, you know, oh, yeah, I'll start a business. You know, it's like a hobby, you know, people having horses. And, you know, honestly, I never had, I mean, there was hard times, but in like really bad horses that I trained and, but it, it was great. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't change it if, if there was a way to like change my path to go back to make things easier or better at some point. Like I, I'm grateful for the way I did it. I mean, I literally did not know what I was doing. And like I'd worked for, for Sue for a year and a half for two years and then just went out and I was like a reigning trainer. Well, not really, but I mean, I, that's what I wanted to be. And, and I had took a bunch of horses. I mean, I was taking kids to like the fairs, like, you know, these little arenas that have like a dirt rim, rim around like for the ring. And then it's grass on the inside. Cause no, you know, just like really country stuff. And I just kept on pushing and trying. And then I, I Pam Nelson and Foothills Farms, who also owns Mr. Electric Spark. I met her in 2010 and we just kind of, we hit it off and started buying horses and she bought me some nice horses, took me back to Oklahoma and for the maturity, I showed them my affiliate finals. And, and so I showed in Washington a while. I mean, I remember like as horrible as it sounds, I'd like pray that people would, their horse would kick out or they'd go off pattern. So I'd have a chance to be like up there. Cause I mean, it was pretty bad. Like I wasn't, I was pretty bad. Like, when you start out at stuff, I mean, I just, it was a struggle and I didn't have, you know, the best horses, but I just kept on trying, kept on showing up as I had some really great customers back in Washington. And I don't know, I started going back to the Derby and Futurity and I was always making like always in the level one finals and, but then would just get, you know, my hat handed to me in the finals or I'd never, you know, I might make in the level two and, you know, I, like really I was self-taught I mean I I learned stuff from the cow horse so I mean basically I gave a lot of non-pro lessons and I gave you know I I didn't go work for somebody and and I probably should have but so I didn't I didn't understand everything about it I just kind of watched and learned and and so I knew when I was in Washington I was like making the level one sometimes I would sneak in the level two I just knew that I wasn't gonna 
make it where I wanted to be if I stayed there. And and it was great. I like I said, I wouldn't change the way I did it, but I don't know. I and I had a lot of success. I, I mean, I was winning a lot in Washington and had a, I had a great business and great customers towards the you know end of my stay there. And I just decided I was going to move to Scottsdale, and it was between Scottsdale or Texas. And I liked, I liked. I mean, I love Scottsdale. Every time we'd come here, I have a Pam has a house here, and I came and visited, and I just loved it here so I moved here and it, you know it's been really great and it's been really hard at the same time and I always kind of put myself into doing too much stuff like I never knew anything about standing a stallion it's just this horse came into our life and like we loved him and we're like why not but I mean I had I had no idea what it would take and what it still takes and I mean it's it's tough but it's been we've had him now six or seven years and it's been it's been good but I've definitely have a lot going on here so I could imagine that training in the Pacific Northwest versus Scottsdale which by the way I'm with you like I would live in Scottsdale if I did not live in Colorado I would be in Scottsdale in a heartbeat and I love being able to go out and like film with everybody out there because I just I love Scottsdale so yeah good choice but you know I could imagine that being in the Pacific Northwest compared to Scottsdale where in Scottsdale for the people that you know might be listening who are not really familiar with it all these trainers have these big beautiful outdoor arenas lots of space to work you know the weather is is fairly cooperative it gets pretty hot in the summer but you know outside of that you know the pacific northwest you're probably stuck in indoor arenas a little bit more kind of like i am out here in colorado and most of the time you know indoor arenas are smaller you're stuck in more confined spaces how did you kind of go around that as a horse trainer you know kind of working with the elements that you had i mean i didn't really know it any other way you know like i was born in the northwest and i i really i didn't know it any other way like i'd always been in a small arena and you know until i started going into other shows like bigger shows I didn't realize just how small the arena was I was training in. I don't know. You just make the best of it. I remember one time Todd Bergen came up and helped some of myself and the other trainers up there. And and he gave us some like tips for how to, you know, run stop one in a short arena that helped. And I mean, which helped a lot. And, but it's just kind of like one of those things, if you don't know it any different, it's just, you just don't know. And now it's like, you know, we have our arena here is at this, a big outdoor. It's the size of the NRBC's arena. Like, so it's huge and which is awesome. But then what happens is their arena is so big. So like for our three-year-old or our derby horses, we usually try to go somewhere the week before to a smaller arena so we can like steer our horses more because the first two years we were here, we went and my horses were like, it, I mean, it took a couple of days to get everybody adjusted because you just, you are steering so much in a smaller arena. And so there's things about riding a smaller arena that I think help, like just how much you have to steer and like maneuver their bodies. We're in a bigger arena I and mean, you can put your hand forward a lot more and just, you've got a lot more area to cruise, you know? So yeah. I guess I never really thought about it like that, but it gives me a little hope that me and this tiny little indoor will do okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just think that's so interesting because I'm from, 
from the Chicagoland area. So another cold area with lots of indoors. And then the first time I really got out to like, you know, Texas, you see some big arenas, but you go to Arizona and the, I mean, the facilities are just beautiful. There's like open air everywhere, spacey. Like it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a mind of its own out there. And, you know, I love it, but you've, so we've kind of talked a little bit about your show career and, and you moving to Scottsdale so that you can kind of, you know, continue your, your journey as a professional. What's that been like, you know, Scottsdale, that is not for the weak of heart by any means. I mean, you have the top rainers in the world, like literally next door. I mean, literally like just down the street. And yeah. I would imagine that that's really, you know, like you're, you have the best of the best in your backyard. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all in the way you look at it and you have to be realistic, like where you are, you know, not lose sight of like the accomplishments you've, you've made because it'd be easy to be like hard on yourself that way or compare yourself. But I also really believe that you, you rise and fall to the level of your competition, you know? So, I mean, being here, there's like some of the best riders and they they're there but like when you're around them at horse shows i mean when you're around all of that and the energy and or you can just watch or i mean i've got went and gone help you know it, it it just changes a lot and i mean if you aspire to be one of those top people you kind of you know you have to understand how that whole show goes you know like how they roll and how they work their business and just all of it you know so i mean that that's the best way to try to be that and you know imitate it i guess is is to be around it you know well you're you're for sure used to the environment and and you know you see these people every every day not every day but quite often and you you get familiar with them and and yeah I, i just think it's great though that there's so much there's so much education and learning just in such a tiny little hub i mean there's like you know like you said you've you've gotten help from other people and i know a lot of horse trainers that will literally just like ride across the street to somebody else's house and ride with them for the day and you know it's so it's really cool to have that kind of community i've never had that kind of community and I, I think it's just amazing to see when I get to go there yeah no for sure and I definitely when I lived in Washington I had some good friends I'd go and ride with and definitely like you I think you can create that culture you know wherever you are and and when I was in Washington everybody I would get help with I mean it was it helped me so much just because it was all super new to me also you know and yeah I mean there's something to learn everywhere you know and but so I hate being cold too like I and I the rain and so I mean for me I was like okay Scottsdale is like so cool and like every like there's so many good riders here and so many horses and I'm not going to freeze. So I mean, it all, it all works. A very good reason to move. So we've talked a little bit about some of your, your events that you've won here in the States, but you've actually had the chance to compete overseas in Switzerland during the SBAG world reigning championships. What was it? 2016? Mm-hmm. Okay. Per- yeah. Can you kind of talk about your experience there? Cause it's not very often, you know, you see it a little more in the reigning where we have overseas riders coming over here, but it's not very often that people in the Western industry are flying their horses overseas to international competitions what was that experience it was amazing like it was definitely it was it was super special it was super special too because the first that lady i was talking about that bought horses 
with me early on. I mean, she's been with me since 2009. Yeah, I think she's had it since 2009. But I mean, so it was with her stud. And it was kind of all a really fast paced thing. We we got this horse and I think I rode him six or seven times before we went off to NRBC where I qualified him to go there for Switzerland in Switzerland. And so I didn't really know him that well when I when I qualified and and he's a lot of horse like he's he's so cool like he's he's like the most amazing good-minded like he's just cool but so i mean it was definitely like going from driving i don't even know what kind of car i drove before and then like a ferrari he's a ferrari you know like something like i didn't know how to really do everything on him because he's just so cool and like just he's just so powerful but so i had three months in between when i qualified him then when we sent him to switzerland i mean there's you you know we sign paperwork that like there i was basic he was basically leased by the like the Olympic, the FEI, it's the same paperwork for all like the, what they do with the jumping horses. I mean, they, we were so, they were so strict on what we had to do with him, what he could eat, what we could, everything. And then the same for, for myself. But so, I mean, it was definitely, it was surreal. We took him to, we hauled him from Scottsdale to LA and we watched him get on, you know, he got on these little, like, it was looks like basically like a, a straight load trailer that they get them in. The two horses go next to each other and they, they walk them in and then they kind of shut it up and they take a crane and they put them in the plane. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And then Blake Westhoff is a good friend and he worked for me and he actually flew over with Mr. Letter Spark. And so he was there the whole time with him, which was cool. And then when we got there, you know, we this was summer. So, I mean, it was August. So it was like 110 here and we go there and it's like the equivalent of like 60, 50, you know, like it was like 50 degrees at night. It was cold. So, I mean, they were, he was fresh and I mean, it, he was fresh. And, but he, was, he was great there, but I mean, it was a big shock to everybody's system. I mean, but it was awesome. I mean, they treat you like, uh, maybe not rock stars, but I mean, they treat you, everything is just so cool. Like, I, I mean, it's, it was one of the best experiences of my life so far. And the crowd, like the audience was amazing. Like, I mean, just so loud and so excited for like, especially the night of the finals. I mean, that was, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I had such a great time and Jeff Pesca, he was there, like he's the coordinator of the team and he was great and we're still super close. And, you know, the other guys I was on the team with, I mean, I'm still close with them and it was, it was awesome. I loved it. What was that like, you know, bringing a horse I can't even, I can't even imagine bringing a horse all the way to Switzerland. That's, that's crazy. And yeah, that has to be so much on their bodies. But like you said, the, with the shock of everything and the temperature, he was fresh, but I imagine you can't, you know, you can't work them that much because they're still recovering from the, the trip. So what was that like kind of adjusting to, for him and you of your work and how long before you showed were you there for to kind of get him adjusted and back to normal? They had it planned really well. I mean, we were, so I think we were there eight days before we competed the horses were there eight days i think i was there six days before i competed and i mean they are very strict about 
ride times. I mean, they're everything the scheduled ride time, and they have people watching, making sure you're not turning too many times, or you know, you let your horse have air. I mean, it's very regulated. I didn't get to go to this particular event, but I was at the World Equestrian Games when they were in Tryon for the magazine. And yeah, like you said, I, it was also an FEI event, so I would imagine that the rules were kind of similar to what you experienced. Yeah, it's exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, and, and it was just really interesting to see because like the horses, the stalls were blocked off. I couldn't even go over there to talk to the horse trainers, and like some of these are horse trainers that I've been working with for years, so I'm on like a, a fairly good, you know, you know, basis with them. Where normally they'd just be like, "Come to the stalls, and we'll do a quick interview." And it's like, no, yeah. I can't even go over there. Like they won't even let me over here. And crazy it's so strict yeah and then they have like the yeah you have to do your trot you know the jog and you know that's a really big deal in the fei so it was really interesting to see the the western industry kind of like you know having to do that and all these guys were like why am i doing this i know it is it's it's so strict and it's it's cool though i mean it's 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 definitely a deal it's a big deal but it's it's a lot it is, well, it is so cool. And it, and to be represented in the United States and not even just like in the United States, like you're, you're in Switzerland, you know, representing in, in yeah, that's huge. It was awesome. It was uh, very cool. So you've talked about Mr. Electric Spark a couple of times, who's obviously a very, very special horse to you. Can you talk a little bit more about him and his personality and, and just what makes him so special? Because I know he is such a special horse to you and his owners and, and everybody that's involved with him. Yeah, he's just, I don't know, you know, I had followed his career and, you know, he's, he's like a strikingly beautiful horse. I mean, it's, I followed his career, his career just basically because I thought he was so beautiful. And I mean, he did really well showing and Tyson showed him, Andrea showed him, and we were kind of just in the right place, the right time to buy him. I mean, it was after his derby years. So, I mean, it was more... Pam just, you know, she used to do some breeding stuff with the, with thoroughbreds, and so she wanted to kind of get into to more of it here. And I mean, for going into it as blind as we did, I, I mean, it was definitely something that was meant to happen, just because he is so so special. And I mean, it just it all worked out. And in the babies he has now, I mean, there's such good representation of him and. I mean, it's just starting. I mean, it's the slowest process you can ever imagine. But it's it's really cool with his offspring to see so much of him in them and all the parts. You know, like I, I wish I had had him when he was younger, but I, you know, it just it wasn't meant to happen that way. And he's 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 great. I mean, he gets he's all business all the time. I mean, we still keep him like he's a show horse just to keep him fit. And he's 13 now, but I mean, he looks, he looks amazing. You can, you can hardly tell he's 13 years old and but he's not, he doesn't act like he's very well mannered for being, you know, collected a couple times a week. And he's just, he's, he's an awesome horse. And I mean, I love him because he, it doesn't really love everybody. You know, he, he really picks his people. So, you know, when he picks you, you feel pretty special, you know, he he loves me and he loves Gustavo that works for us and he tolerates a lot of other people but like he loves us I mean he sees us and talks to us I mean he's just I don't know he he always makes my day better when I get to be around him he's a good one 
I love that. Well, and it kind of goes back to like the reason that we all do this crazy thing, showing horses all over the country and, and putting as much money as we do into the horses is, yeah. is that moment right there, them nickering at you when you walk into the barn yeah. and, and having that connection. It's, it's hard to beat. you know, maybe, maybe it was this horse in particular, but have you ever had a horse that kind of changed the way that you train or, or the way that you think about riding or, or has challenged you to become a better rider? Yeah, probably, probably every one of them has definitely challenged me. And, you know, like, I think we all go through points in our career where we are dead set that it has to be a certain way. They have to feel a certain way. And they're just not all made to be that way. You know, you know, like one thing, like Mr. Dr. Spark, he's super soft in the face and he's like, his belly is like, you know, like you can contort him in any position. And he's like, for as big as he is, I mean, he's just pliable everywhere. He can do crazy maneuvers, but they're not all going to feel like that. And, you know, and his babies aren't going to feel like that. There's, you know, some of them do, but not, you know, it's just not the same. And I think everybody in their career, whether professional or non-professional, we give ourselves more frustration than not trying to create something we think is what it's supposed to always be like. And it's not, they're not meant to be that way. And yeah, I mean, I think every one of them has taught me something. And if you keep having the same problem, you definitely have to just kind of be like, okay, either this horse doesn't fit me at all, or I need to not be ignorant. And how can I figure this one out that we can work together, you know? And like Spook with Jules has probably been a She's been pivotal for me. Like she's Luke Gate. We like I begged Luke Gate Gagnon to sell her to me for a year, year and a half, and then he finally, he finally let me buy her or let him buy her. And she, you know, she is not a horse that she's not soft in the face, but she hangs her neck, and so you can run her with a huge straight brain. But you, if you go to take a hold, it's like <laughs> nothing there, you know. And 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 I just learned to be okay with that because you know, come from the Arabs, I wanted to like feel their face and like push everything around and all of that and she was never going to do that but I mean that mare gave me every ounce of everything she was all the all the time and she you know let me learn how to show in level four finals multiple times and you know if I know that if I wouldn't have accepted her and you know like championed her for what she was we wouldn't have been there you know if I would have tried to make her something she wasn't it, it wouldn't have worked the way it did and I mean she I'm glad I knew what I had known and probably failed on what I had failed on before before I got to her you know because it would have been a shame and you know I think there's a lot of horses that can fall through the cracks that way or they're misunderstood and I mean I've misunderstood so many horses and I just really try to be very aware of that now because like you said before there is a lot of money into this and one thing with reigning is there's so much added money and everything and for me of course I want to win and I'm competitive and I want to do well I want to do well for my horses for my owners for myself but like I I truly do this because I love them you know I I I can't imagine a day without a, a horse or you know we forget how lucky we are when we just get to swing a leg over one and what they give for, I mean what they give to us we can take for granted so easily and it's really amazing what what they do over and over again 
Love it. Yeah, it's really interesting as you as you grow as a rider and a person, you look back and you're like, huh, I wish I would have done that differently. But yeah. if you hadn't done that way the first time, you probably wouldn't have learned what you needed to fix the next time. And but I, I so agree with you where it's just we need, you know, the reason that we do this is because we love it. And yeah, winning is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'm very competitive, but I'm always going to make sure that my horse is happy and healthy and, and willing and wanting to do it. And I never want to you know, force it to happen. And I, I love hearing other trainers kind of say that because it's, you know, while we all like to think it, it, you know, hear it out loud, it's really nice to hear and, you know, remind people why we do what we do. Yeah, for sure. You work with a lot of non-pros and youth riders too. So on top of your very busy open riding, you know, schedule with, with horses, like we've talked about in a couple of other questions, you're also training and coaching people while trying to get these open horses ready, which I'd imagine is kind of a, a tough thing because you know a lot it seems like sometimes these days you have like open horse trainers and then you have like non-pro coach you know what I mean like it's it's getting kind of specialized and to be able to do both I feel like is is such a great skill to have but I would imagine that it gets kind of chaotic at the horse shows because you know the open classes are going while the non-pro classes are going and, and you're in every which direction yeah, it's hard. I mean, that's definitely like at the Scottsdale shows, it's really hard to like actually show one in an aged event. And I, I haven't shown a lot in Scottsdale here the last two years just because we've had so many non-pros and, and, but you know, then we go off to NRBC or to Denver for the futurity and, you know, the, the big futurity itself or wherever we don't take as many non-pros so you can really focus. And the one thing that's nice, like for Daniel and I and my fiance, like, if, you know, like last year at the futurity, he had two and we, and I didn't have any, I sold, sold my good one. And then there, you know, I just, I didn't have one to show. So like I took over the non-pros so he could really focus on his horses and, and vice versa. So I'm, we're really lucky that way to have, be able to like bounce that off of each other. But yeah, it, it, it's hard. And I am very intense, you know, kind of everybody that's, that rides with us stays away from me before I show just in, in not like in a bad way, but I mean, you know, I've sacrificed and dedicated and done everything I could can to get to this point. And I mean, I don't want to, you know, not give myself the proper, you know, time to be prepared and get my thoughts together. And, you know, I definitely like, like to get my horse ready. I like to do certain things. I have my little, my little routine, but I, and I don't, I don't enjoy showing when I can't have that, you know, that time just because I mean the thing for me too is like this it really means a lot to me to be able to show at this level you know like I came from you know we all come from somewhere and where I came from and this is probably the farthest thing that seemed possible you know I and so for me it just like it means everything and so I want to be able to nurture that the way I can and I know that if I'm rushed and if I'm giving 14 lessons or whatever not that I ever have 14 lessons at the show but I'm not going to be able to give it what I want to be able to so you know I've I've learned to you know when I need to not show I I don't and I can focus on other people and and a lot of our customers we've had them for quite a long time like Maria Daniele Pam Nelson they moved 
like they have all their horses here with me and they've Marie's had horses with me since I think 2011 Pam 2009 but we also have an understanding of everybody that has a horse a non-pro horse with us and there's a few people maybe their grandfathered in that, that don't but I mean we you know if, if, if they want our dream or if they want their dream to come true that we work we're going to work hard for, for them I mean it, it has to go both ways and so you know they everybody has a young horse in the pipeline or an open horse for Daniel Wright to show and and that sounds so crazy but at the same time that's really the only way it works because we can't I I only have so many years that I can like show at this level the way I want to while my body still works like this and 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 the thing is, is I love helping people and I know not everybody can do that but at the same time I also, the only thing I really own is my time, you know, so, you know, you just kind of have to learn how to put boundaries up and it is really important to me to show and it's got to be a two-way street, you know, no matter what, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just, everybody has to be on the same page and support with, with your non-pro and, you know, that's, so that, that's how we do things and it works. It works really well. I, you know, I, I think people forget that you're also an athlete, you know, the horse is an athlete, but you as well. And having that ritual before you show, I, I do something similar where I just, I like to, you know, clean my horse and take care of it and saddle it and everything. I want to touch every part of it and make sure that everything's where I want it. And, but I think it's, it's really important that we remember that like you're just as much as an athlete having to get in the right mindset. You want your horse in that mindset when you go into the show pen, but you also need to be there and you can't be running around making sure that, you know, this person has this, you know, done and, and this horse is ready to go here and, and so forth. And so I think that's huge that you're able to to recognize that and, and your clients are also able to recognize that and, and respect it because I think you know, you're not going to see, you know, at the Olympics, somebody is coaching somebody right before they go and do a gold medal run. Their their only thing is they're focusing on what they have to do. They're coming up with a plan. And, and like not to mention, you know, most of these people that at the Olympics are just worrying about themselves. You're worrying about a horse, too. And so, yeah, yeah I, I think it's huge. And, and I, I love that you have a barn and that's so respectful of that and respectful of each other's time, too, because I think that's huge and it makes for a really happy environment. It is. And I mean, we tr definitely try to keep that. And, you know, it's hard. There's a lot of emotions involved in this because, you know, really like this job for me, it is it is my career, but it's also it's my passion, you know, and like that can be really hard. And, you know, you can't help but not like kind of identify yourself in that. And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad horse shows and you can't, you know, think that's who you are or like the same thing with your customers. So, I mean, trying to keep like the dynamic of everything together and and, you know, just trying to manage it like we have a rule. If someone has a really bad run, they, you know, they are having a little bit of a meltdown, which, you know, I'm not going to lie, has been me quite a few times it's like you will take a, a 10 minute 15 minute walk and then you gotta shake it off you know because in the scheme of it there's always another show and you get to try again and you know it sucks that the greatest lessons i've ever learned have been by from failures not success you know the success is the sweet stuff when you can look back and know how much you struggled and sacrificed and tried and and you showed up you know and that that is a thing i think we forget about and it's important to know it
I always joke that, you know, life would be so boring and if everything was perfect, but I truly do believe that it would be, you know, like you said, the failures are what make you a better rider. And yeah, winning is awesome. And, and I love, you know, the feeling of like getting that, you know, you've put so much work and effort into it and, you know, to see it all come together and have this amazing run and, and win, it's awesome. But there's so much to take away from the days that where things actually don't go according to plan. And, and I think that's a really great philosophy and mentality. I mean, it's taken a while to get to that mentality but here I am so we've kind of talked to touch base about your showing career and, and all that but we, you kind of also mentioned that you're breeding Mr. Electric Spark and that was something that you accidentally fell into what's been that journey like hard I mean it's like I mean I it's been hard because you know the thing is is that not everyone's going to believe in your selling and, and the way you do. And I mean, I definitely, I had to learn to not be defensive, you know, like if somebody didn't like him or if a friend didn't want to breed to him, because I mean, I see so much in him and I love him and you know, I've loved Like I've absolutely loved riding the babies, but you know, you just kind of have to, everything's going to work out how it's going to. And he's, you know, people will believe in it when, when there's a big win or there's whatever, but I, it has probably the greatest joy like of everything in my career right now is definitely riding. Like right now I've got two three-year-old mares from there by Mr. Electric Spark. We call him Matt and, and out of Jules, Fuquiz Jules. And I mean, just being able to like ride those fillies and, you know, get to show them. I mean, like they give me, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. Cause I mean, it's two horses that are so special to me. And then, you know, it's just, I feel so much of both of their parents in them and both fillies are so different, but I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's like, it's the best part of this. I mean, good, bad or indifferent and, win or lose like it's it's really cool to be there and to you know experience what i've experienced on both of these Phillies parents i mean it's just it's great it's it that's been really great that's really cool what a great combo too they're both, yeah i mean i bet they're really pretty oh my gosh there's one she's it's a black philly that's like crazy 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 pretty and then the sorrel filly is gorgeous too but it's just so funny they're so different like the black filly looks more like matt and and then the sorrel filly i mean she she looks more like her mom but and, and it's the same thing riding her like point shoe and i mean obviously spook with jewels is absolutely gorgeous but they're just they're just different and they're just they're funny and they're both arrogant like their mother is and it's it's pretty fun so now is this uh, is the three-year-old gear the oldest crop of his or are some showing already no there's some showing so there's there's two five-year-olds out there and i showed both of them and just had kind of funky stuff happen in their three-year-old year i won some money on them and then last year daniel showed one but I mean, we really just didn't, it was the very beginning of everything. And I mean, this year, Daniel and I are both, we each have four, three-year-olds that right now they're like in the line to, they're, they're, they're all, eight of them are doing really good. They're all Mr. Electric Sparks and, you know, people have, there's been some really good ones and then, you know, something happens. Like that's the hardest part is like you, you sell, some, we've sold some of the babies or people breed and then some like, you know, 
you're hopeful and then some random tragic accident happens. I mean, that just, it just happens. And, you know, and he's not a horse that ever won a major event and has that huge pull that way. So he, you know, he was consistent for, you know, a seven year stint of showing. And so, I mean, for me, like a horse that's that consistent over and over and over again, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. And I feel that in these, in his babies, I mean, they just come out, they want to do their job every day. I mean, which for me is great. Like I, I look forward to riding them every single day. And I mean, I, I have never had that feeling before, you know, usually you're, there's some three-year-olds you're going to ride. You're just like, you know, you got to get mentally prepared or whatever, but the, it's just, I don't know. It's just great. And it's also a mindset, you know, they, they, they want to do the job, but it's also because I see so much in them. I mean, every single one of the eight, eight babies we have this year are all out of mares. I showed myself so, you know, it's, it's cool. Like, it's just, it all means, it just means more to me in, in that way. And I don't know, it's great. I'm excited to show them. Oh, that's awesome. And I like what you were saying, but they're also consistent and like happy to do their job and stuff. Like I, that's such an important factor in an industry where most of the people that are paying the bills for these trainers are non-pros that need consistent, happy horses that want to do their job. And I think that's, that's huge because you, you know, you'll hear about like, oh, this one's really quirky and this one's really this, this one's really that. But like, you know, most non-pros want a nice, consistent horse that's not going to, to be naughty in the show pen. They're happy to do their job and they're talented. They're pretty, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds like such a great fit. It is. It is a great, it is a great thing. Like, and so my, the Sorrel filly, the Spookwiz Jewels filly, she, my best friend bought that, bought her for me to show and then she'll show her as a four or five year old. But I mean, it is really cool too. She came and rode her two months ago and, you know, she hasn't really been riding a lot for a couple of years. She has a son and been busy. I mean, it's just cool to see them go around and, you know, do everything, turn, change run and stop and i mean they're it's mar in march of their three-year-old year like it's i'm excited there's so much to be proud of with all of that though i mean it's it it is really you know you don't get to meet many people who have been able to ride the mother and this you know the sire and the dam and you know then get to work with all these babies and and it's that i i would be a very proud parent too if i get to have that opportunity so i've been i've been very lucky and I've been very lucky with the people I've met along the way that kind of have, you know, trusted me and, and, you know, had really good work relationships with to be able to build something like this, you know, cause that's, that doesn't always happen. The Kevin Rosenbaum owns the ranch we're at. It's the same thing. He does a lot of breeding too. And it's great to be able to work with people and have a common plan, but dream, you know, it's just, there's so much in your dream and, and be able to like actually see it through. I mean, it's a really great thing. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we've taken up an hour and some of your time and I know that you're probably itching to get back to work because you, it sounds like you are very, very busy with all the horses that you have in your barn, but thank you so much for, for coming on here and talking with us and, and letting our listeners get to know you a little more. I feel like I should probably plug in and say that Carrie's going to be joining our horse and rider on demand platform. I'm going to go out to Scottsdale this month. Can't believe it's April. And we're going to be doing some filming and I'm really, really excited to bring you to the platform because I think think that you have so much to offer and I'm really excited. That'd be great. I'm excited. 
Yeah. So before we leave, do you want to plug your website where people can find you on social media and follow along on your journey and like maybe learn a little bit more about Mr. Electric Spark and all these beautiful babies he's producing? Yeah. I mean, his website is MrElectricSpark.com or Mr. Electric Spark on Facebook. He has Instagram. My website is Carrie Klingenberg Performance Sources or same on, on Facebook. But yeah, I try to keep up with that and I've got a girl that helps me doing doing all the updates on things but pretty busy it can be difficult to keep all that stuff i could imagine that you're probably not the only horse trainer that's trying to juggle all the things while having i I couldn't imagine after being in the barn all day with you know 20 30 40 horses and then having to go handle you know billing and social media and websites and yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot yeah it's definitely a different kind of lifestyle but it's it's awesome Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. You know, like I've mentioned, you're going to see more of Carrie in the magazine and and online. And, and, you know, thanks again. I'm really excited for for what's going to come. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horse and rider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.